Aloha, I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Caroline Winter in Adelaide, Australia. Welcome to Dog Edition, the first show designed for you to listen to while you walk your dogs. Coming up in today's episode, perhaps a tale we could have simply called serendipity, how a family of rescue dogs from Texas all ended up in New York. It's definitely a reunion tale ready-made for the silver screen. And we'll also have the latest hound headlines. And in our latest Dog Lovers Live Discovery, a podcast that explores how extraordinary people have been changed by an extraordinary animal. So if you love dogs as much as we do, pause what you're doing, leash up your pup, and let's take a walk. Because we've got a lot to talk about on today's episode of Dog Edition. Hey Pepper, want to go for a walk? Let's start off, as we often do, at the hydrant. What's up with you, Kara? Jim, it has been a long, cold winter here in Australia, and finally- Winter? (laughs) It's winter in Australia. Oh my gosh, you must be in the Southern Hemisphere. It's amazing. And who knew that Australia got cold? It's outrageous. Um, But finally, spring is starting to, well, spring, which of course means, what does it mean to you? Flowers? I don't know. I'm in Hawaii, so it feels like it's always kind of spring. We feel seasons here, so I have no. First of all, my head is still spinning with you being in the southern hemisphere because I know the rest of most of our listeners are now thinking it's fall and it's crisp <laughs> and kids are back in school, so we just have to think about that. So, what happens in the spring in Australia? Well, flowers definitely, and with flowers blooming, of course, comes hay fever. That's always a great one. Mm. But do you know what else it means, particularly here in Australia? What? It means magpies. You don't mean the things you eat. You mean the birds. <laughs> the thing, I mean the birds. And that there is the sound of my childhood. It's actually the sound of the Australian bush, really. And it is the sound of a magpie singing. Mm. And it's lovely. It is lovely. We have them uh, in the park across the road from our house. In fact, a lady comes every evening and she feeds them. They're really a quintessential part of Australian life. But. But what? They're also fiercely territorial. And what that means is that they are nothing short of evil. They swoop to protect (laughs) their young and they think it's actually a great thing. They think that they have great success when they might manage to grab a scalp. Um, Bike riders, they absolutely love or detest depending on what you which way you look at it in fact my husband who is a bike rider has to put cable ties on his helmet which shoes them away no way yeah so when you say scoop your scalp they literally do that they do they literally do that and I had it happen to me when I was a kid I was crossing a park in spring to go and visit some friends on the other side and I was swooped and I've been pretty terrified since then (laughs) I can understand why, you know, Alfred Hitchcock did ravens, but maybe he should have done magpies. That's pretty scary. But why are you telling me about magpies? Well, look, I wanted to paint a bit of a picture about them before I get into this next story. So if you type Australian magpie into Google, and I did this yesterday, Mm -hmm. one of the result questions that comes up is, are magpies evil? I kid you not, right? (laughs) So you'd be hard-pressed to find an Australian who I think hasn't been swooped by one, even though the experts here will tell you that most magpies don't swoop. Wow. Well, we have evil birds here in Hawaii. They're minor birds, Mm. which I think come from India at one point. 
Yeah, those are minor birds that I think Nick, our editor, is putting into the show. You can hear them. They make a lot of noise. They're these incredibly social but very aggressive birds. They're some of the most invasive invaders that you could ever imagine. But one of the things that people don't know is that you can train these birds to speak a few words. And so one of the freakiest things ever in my life, I was walking on the beach with my wife. And we were hand in hand and we had our dogs with us. And this bird lands on my shoulder, not on my scalp, on my shoulder and says, And I don't think we have to bleep that because the bird didn't actually say it so (laughs) clearly, but that's what he said. And yes, if it sounded like what I think you said, that's exactly what the bird said to me twice and then let go. And then I was so, I felt my, my spine shudder and finally the bird flew off. So that was the freakiest thing ever. And then a few years later, I talked to a friend, the son of a friend of ours, neighbor. He was the one who did it. He likes to take and taunt people bite because he's trained these birds how to come up to a tourist and then he gives them a treat for coming back and i guess i must have looked like a tourist anyway so it was one of the freakiest things of my life so i feel the way about minor birds that you must feel about magpies that is unbelievable we have minor birds here as well but i did not know that now i know what my new uh, hobby is going to be though that's uh that's a little trick to play yes So this is beginning to sound a lot like bird edition, (laughs) not dog edition. So how does this relate to dogs? Well, it's actually the reason that I was so intrigued when I saw this story pop up about Peggy and Molly, not your wife. Mm. Peggy is an English staffie and Molly is a magpie and they're the best of friends. Wow. Okay. How How did the dog and the magpie become friends? Okay. So... Long story short, a couple on the Gold Coast, which is a beachside city in Queensland, which is our sunshine state here in Australia, they found a baby magpie abandoned at a park about a year ago and they tried to reunite it with its mum, but it didn't work. So they brought it home and nursed her back to health. Now, Peggy, the English staffie, wasn't so sure about this new feathered addition to the household as uh, you wouldn't be, but after a bit of time, she grew fond of Molly, so fond, in fact, she even started producing milk for her. Can you believe that? That sounds like a case of strange bedfellows. (laughs) So what do a bird and a dog do when when they hang out together? Well, look, when they're not watching Netflix on the couch and fighting (laughs) over the remote, apparently (laughs) their favourite thing to do is sunbake. And there are actually photos of the two of them lying on their back, Peggy with her paws up and Molly with her wings open, and they're just lying there together getting some sun. And they also do other things. They play ball together. They share their chew toys. Molly likes to snuggle into Peggy for cuddles. Sometimes uh, she'll stand on her back or she'll chase her down the hallway in the house. And for the Americans out there, we will translate sunbake to sunbathe. Oh, there you go. We'll do that. <laughs> we we'll do that a little bit, I think. We learned some. This is this is the other advantage of our dog edition <laughs> show is you get to learn some vernacular in the different countries. Absolutely. That is so cool. And how do you know all of this about the magpie and the dog? Well, look, aside from a couple of news stories, they actually have a fabulous Instagram account. Mm, now, we know that every dog and 
you know, its owner has an account these days. But <laughs> this one's called At Peggy and Molly and there's hundreds of photos and videos and oh, they've got about, I don't know, 62,000 followers. So nice. I spent a fair bit of time having a look at uh, all the content they've posted and it's definitely worth checking out. Um, it's actually gorgeous. It's actually really, really sweet. And I can't imagine being that close to a magpie, but these two are just in each other's faces and they're pretty much joined at the hip. No, it's not the hip. I, I think maybe it's the nose and beak. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Also, Peggy has just had a litter of puppies and would you believe they've also become friends with Molly? So it's a bit of a family affair. I love this interspecies friendship between dogs and other creatures. Mm. And I knew you were going to talk about this because I did a little Googling myself and I found out there are a bunch of other stories about dogs befriending animals. There's Ooh, do tell. Bella the Labrador and Bubbles the African Elephant. <laughs> there is Torque the Dog and Shrek the owl. <laughs> what a great name for an owl. Fred the Labrador and Dennis the duck and Milo the dog and Bone Digger the lion. So we got an elephant, an owl, a duck, and a lion paired with a dog. And so to our listeners, I want you to tell us which story you would like to hear about uh, on a future episode of Dog Edition. So we're going to put together a little poll on our very quiet Facebook page, which is, you can go to uh, facebook.com slash dog edition. There's a poll there. Let us know if you want to hear about the dog and the elephant, the dog and the owl, the dog and the duck, or the dog and the lion. Again, that's facebook.com slash dog edition. That sounds like so much fun. I'm looking forward to everyone's responses and we'll put a link to that in our show notes and obviously on Facebook. Um, and we will put a link to Instagram there as well. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. The green, grassy, beef liver spiked smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpup traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. Does it roll back time? Of course not, not really, but it helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day, because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I'm so grateful to be your dog, and for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. Welcome back to Dog Edition. Now, I love this next story. It's over to you, Jim, to take it away. 
It's been said that New York is a city with 8 million stories, and this next one could have been conjured up from the mind of Noor Ephron herself. It starts on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, a neighborhood bordered by Central Park to the east and Riverside Park to the west. Tara Durrington had always wanted a dog, a feeling that was amplified during the isolation of the pandemic. I don't have family here. Most of my friends left pretty early on um, or were too far away to see. And so I started to really think about getting a dog and it's been a goal of mine for a while. And, you know, really the only thing that was ever stopping me was my job. And here I was working remotely and I was like, if I can't make it work now, I'm never going to make it work while living in New York City. She knew what she was looking for, too. I was looking for a dog that would stay around 25 pounds when full grown. You know, I do live in New York City and you want to be able to take them places that's reasonable and I would have to put them in a bag. But Tara wasn't the only New Yorker thinking along those lines, something that she found out when she went to apply for a rescue dog. There were not enough dogs to go around. But Tara was undeterred. One night, it was probably around 7 or 8 p.m., I was like, you know what, I'm just going to check Pet Finder one time, and then I'm going to sign off. And I saw two dogs that looked extremely cute. I thought, I'm going to have to pick them up in New Jersey, but that is fine. At this point, I will get a dog from anywhere. She began to strategize because she wanted to optimize her chances for getting a dog. And I saw that they were from the same rescue, so I was like, I will apply for them both. Maybe I'll get one. The next morning, Tara had an email waiting for her from Dr. Doolittle's rescue ranch. One of the dogs that she applied for could be hers. It was a young male mix Tara now calls Leo. She was told that the second dog was going to someone else. Her plan had worked. Tammy, the owner of the rescue, called Tara to discuss the details of the adoption. And she goes, great, yeah, the dog is yours. And uh, once he's completely vaccinated and neutered, we will send him your way. And I was like, send him my way? And she's like, oh yeah, we're in Texas. And I was like, not New Jersey? And she was like, nope, and we deliver to your door. Three weeks into having Leo, Tara decided to take him to the groomers. Well, that fateful decision started her on a path of discovery. The groomers required proof of vaccination, and Leo's rabies tag was missing from his paperwork. So she called Tammy in Texas. And I said, hey, it looks like the rabies tag was not included. I see a piece of tape here as if it was meant to be placed in this little envelope, but it's not. And she goes, oh, shoot. Okay, well, we'll we'll send that to you. And I was like, great. That wasn't the only bit of information that Tara got from Tammy that day. And then on the phone, she tells me that uh, the dad had been adopted and lived in the same zip code as well. I had no other details at the time, but I said, who was the dad? And she goes, oh, his name was Cheech. I don't know his name now. And that's when I realized that I had applied for father and son and had adopted the son. This was an interesting bit of information, and Tara wondered if she and Leo would run into Cheech around the neighborhood. After all, it was the same zip code. She knew what he looked like from his online adoption profile when she had applied for him, but it seemed unrealistic that she'd come across him in such a populated city. 
That phone call also yielded another interesting bit of information. She sent me a photo and said, well, Leo's brother was just surrendered as well. Do you have anyone who would possibly want to adopt a dog? She did. Ann Sachs, a co-worker, had been looking for a dog to adopt for more than a year. Tara sent her a picture of the dog, Murray, and Anne agreed to adopt him on the spot. It just so happens that Anne also lives on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And so in that conversation, I found out not only was Leo's dad here, but his brother was also coming, which was exciting. Reuniting the dogs seemed inevitable. They were now all living in the same zip code. Tara just needed to track down Leo's dad. So she looked for him at the two neighborhood dog parks. She looked for him on dog walks around the block. I just kind of kept looking for this tricolor, shaggy-looking dog. And then, on a chilly day in January during a quick break, a possible breakthrough happened. We walk outside for a quick potty break between my meetings. I'm not even wearing a coat. We come back around to enter the apartment, and Leo sees this dog at the tree. And he greeted this dog like like no other. And he immediately was so excited and kind of like jumping on him and licking him. And and the other owner was kind of like trying to get the dog to come along and the dog would not move. Tara had her suspicions that this could be the dog that she'd been looking for. This could be Leo's dad. So she started to ask some questions. What kind of dog is he? Like, do you know his breed? And he said, no, he's a rescue. And I went, oh, that's so interesting. Have you had him long? And he goes, no, we've just had him for about four weeks. Uh, we re-rescued him. And I was like, that's so neat. Is there any way that he maybe could be from Texas? And the answer was yes. And he looked like I had just told him he had a child that he didn't know about. Um, and he was like, He was speechless because he had no idea that his dog, Marvin, was even a dad, that he even had any puppies. The two exchanged numbers and agreed to get together again with the dogs. Marvin's owner tweeted about the encounter, and New Yorkers ate it up. It was the feel-good story that they needed. We go to a local pet store. The woman at the pet store started talking about this this Twitter thread. And I was like, oh, that was Leo. And she was like, it was my dog, our store's dog, Leo, reunited with his family. Like everyone was so invested in their story that it was really precious to be able to give people that joy trigger. And once the weather warmed up a bit, these Upper West Siders made a plan to reunite the dogs at Bull Moose Dog Run just outside the American Museum of Natural History. The night before the big day, they were buzzing with excitement. We were like, okay, what are the dogs wearing? Are the dogs wearing their jackets and their vests? Or are they just wearing their harnesses and their collars? Are we going makeup? Are we, are we getting blowouts for the dogs and the humans? On a Sunday, a dramatic scene unfolded as Marvin, Leo, and Murray reunited for the first time. I don't even know how to describe it. It is a meat cute to be honest, because we were at opposite ends of the park and Marvin, the dad, and Leo arrived first and they just both froze and kind of like spotted each other. And then, you know, we're pulling and tugging as we caught up and then Murray came later and, you know, Leo knows Murray, Marvin hadn't seen Murray in a while and then it was just like an entanglement of dog leashes because they were inseparable. 
to the average observer, it probably seemed like three dogs playing. Nothing unusual. But a closer inspection reveals the connections. They all kind of do this, like, stand on their hind legs, look at people from far away. They all have the same floofy tails. Uh, They all have this really weird open mouth smile when they're running really fast. They all had the same bark. When they barked, it sounded like a unison. Tara has no doubt that these three dogs know they are related. Especially Marvin, the dad, and Leo. They were surrendered together. They were together, I think, for three months at the rescue together. And they made the trek from Texas to New York City together. So they definitely recognize each other. I can tell when we leave is when you know they know who they are because they all will whine and they'll keep looking back as we get further and further away. It is meaningful to them. You know, animals, I think, do have feelings and emotions and it's probably wonderful for them to be acclimated now in New York City, but have this piece of home always with them. A country dog and his pups separated in Texas and reunited in the Big Apple by a group of city slickers. The movie just writes itself. Honestly, I don't know how this would happen anywhere else. Uh, The joke is that Nora Ephron is looking down on us because, you know, we're on the Upper West Side. We're in Riverside Park. And this is truly something she would have written. Maybe this wonderful story will be turned into a movie someday. And perhaps Leo could play himself. Leo needs an agent quickly. To be honest, Leo is truly a star. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. We've uncovered some great dog-loving podcasters and YouTubers so far on our live-streamed show, Dog Lovers Live, and your latest guest, Jim, is a woman who hosts a podcast called The Animal That Changed You, and I'm sure we all have a story like that. I'm sure we do. There are so many great stories, and we're going to be collecting more of those from our listeners. But this week, I speak with Katya Lidsky, who is my guest, and her podcast is called The Animal that changed you. It was inspired by her dog, Ophelia, who we get to know a little bit more in each episode. And every show, Katya talks to guests about what their lives were like before and after they met the animals that changed them and how that pivotal relationship helped shape who they are to this day. The impetus for that was my dog, Ophelia, who's a Beagle Max, my first rescue, who started this whole nonsense. Just 25 pounds can change an entire life. Um, and she's going to be 17. I adopted her as a puppy, so I'm pretty, you know, close on her age. And mm-hmm. I definitely am one of those people who uh, inertia is is hard for me. I, I just had to do something with all the feelings I was having about Ophelia and life without her. Not right now. She's right next to me sleeping 
um, you know, what kind of diagonal to me, but, um, yeah, that, that I was really obsessed with this idea that like there have been animals that have changed other people and I want to know their stories and I want to <laughs> encourage people to have those stories. And it's not just dogs. It's not. We, oh my gosh. But we had someone who was changed by a hippopotamus who will be coming. Um, we've had horses. Abby Moore from adoptvet.com was a bird. Bird Pierre changed her. So we've had different. There'll be a cat episode coming up. But I foster dogs. Mine's a dog. I'm open to other animals changing me. I love them. I love dogs. Let's talk about Ophelia because Ophelia is your dog right now. And every episode starts with the most beautiful opening vignette little like glimpse into your life. Um, <laughs> that is, if nothing else, you have to just listen to the podcasts to hear the conversation that Katya has with Ophelia <laughs> or her husband sometimes about Ophelia. <laughs> totally. Poor guy. He's always like, can I join? Like, okay. Her and I, from the beginning, like I always, I have felt for a long time, like she was this missing piece. Mm. And uh, some people come into the world and they're confident and they know what they want and they, they have ease. And I was not one of those people. Um, <laughs> blessed, happy, grateful, like looking for the green lights, but I didn't have that. I wasn't born with that. And so adopting Ophelia when I was around 24, 25 was, I've, oh, I always had dogs, but her soul and my soul were magnets or something of the sort. We were basically putting you on the spot because you've never covered sure. this. How did Ophelia change you? I, um, I had a pretty gnarly eating disorder. Um, so trigger warning. And I think that adopting an animal is the just most accessible portal out of that feeling. She would see me binging. She would see me purging and she would lick me and she would kiss me and she would come in and be with me and she wouldn't leave and she didn't judge me. And um, she was a sick puppy. She was a parvo puppy. She was really mm. sick and I had to beg her to eat and I had to beg her to drink water and I had to take care of her. And there's something about having a disordered relationship with what you put into your own body and then having to really find a way to make peace with it fast so that you can save the life of an animal that you feel like is not doing great. At the end of the day, I needed to love myself more so I could love her. Let's talk about some of the guests. Now, you you try to make this as you say in your description, a funny podcast. And I think it is. And you've had some pretty funny people on the show. There's rescuers on there and people working for spay neuter clinics. But then there's people who are unlikely animal, you know, have unlikely, un unlikely candidates to have been changed by an animal. They're, mm. they're, it's not, I wouldn't say they're necessarily animal people, all of them, but they feel the way we feel. And I'm, I'm so, I find that riveting for some reason that like, across the board it's this great equalizer and yeah the sklars and rory scoville and and his wife jordan scoville and june diane rayfield i mean my brain lights up just hearing their voices they are such just naturally funny amazing human beings and you can watch Jim's full dog lovers live stream with Katya Litsky, host of the animal that changed you all as part of our stream series at dogloverslive.com well, that is all for today's episode. 
I want to thank you for bringing Dog Edition with you along on your walk today. Don't forget, you can hear Jim's extended conversations on DPN's sister show, The Long Leash. Jim, who's your guest this week? This week, I sit down with Rick Bassman, who lives in Maui, but he has an interesting career, but now he is devoting his life and his energy to helping rescue pit bulls. It's a great interview. Join me this week for The Long Leash, and you can find it at longleashshow.com. And of course, join us for the next episode of Dog Edition, where we bring you all the latest in dog news plus more. And you can go back and have a listen anytime to our past episodes at dogedition.com. And when you go to dogedition.com, you can tell us what you think about our show, because there is a little button at the bottom right of every episode page where you can leave us a voicemail and even share your story ideas with us, because who knows, we may work one of those into a future episode. Speaking of future episodes, don't forget, please take our poll on Facebook and let us know if you want to hear about the lion or the owl or the pussycat. And that's at facebook.com slash dog edition. Also, a final reminder that we are looking for correspondence as we grow this podcast and dog podcast network. So if you're a content producer or a journalist or a podcaster or an audio storyteller, and you love dogs, please check out our 101 Dog Stories contest. There's over $15,000 in prize money, and you can find that on our main website at dogpodcastnetwork.com slash 101. And follow Dog Edition in whatever podcast app you use to listen, and of course, leave us a review. So, Caro, you know what the best thing our listeners can do? I think I have a sneaking suspicion. Tell me more. They can tell their friends about Dog Edition. If you like this show, please tell your friends about Dog Edition when you're at the dog park or at your next gathering or on social media. Let people know about Dog Edition so that we can continue to grow our audience and provide great stories for dog lovers just like you and me. Because we know the best way to get a recommendation is from a friend. Tell a friend. Because you're going to listen to what they have to say, right? Totally. (laughs) I'm Caroline Winter, your resident news hound. And I'm James Jacobson. I want to thank you for listening today. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.